This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health in the creative arts. My name is Scarlett Maltman and today we are joined by director Hannah Chizik. Her directing credits include Flashdance, Sunday in the Park with George, Amour, Amour, I always think I say the pr- uh, pronunciation that wrong. Oh, Amour, yeah. Amour, no, yeah, right, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Sideshow, to name a few. At the age of 25, Hannah was appointed as artistic director at the Harrogate Theatre, becoming the youngest woman in the UK to hold this title. So jamming and amazing. <laughs> uh, we are absolutely delighted to have her here today to chat. How are you today, Hannah? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I just lo- I love that. Youngest ever. I know. Yeah. How did you feel? Um... It's kind of you know looking back on things is is um, I find it more terrifying as an idea now than I did at the time really? because I think oh my god what was I doing what were they thinking I was like twenty five oh, um, it was amazing yeah and uh, an extraordinary um, gift really um, I I learned so much doing it it That's was amazing. it was incredible but yes uh, obviously I am. Um, a lot of chat at the time people ask me like what's it like to be the youngest but yeah. I had no idea because I'd never been You're the oldest so I was just in it and it's amazing. But it's an interesting period of time to reflect on definitely yeah no I love it it's amazing it just goes to show like there's there's no age on anything like, yeah if absolutely you're, if you're right for the role then go for it it's brilliant and um, so we always start with a little word association game so the first oh, thing great. that pops into your head are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Actually, who was it that got Jordan um, Murphy got a, a world record on this? Oh, I bet he did. He <laughs> <laughs> was so competitive, right? Oh, Here we go. No. Motherhood. Amazing. Twix. Mars. Morning commute. Nightmare. Tech session. Long. NYMT. Amazing. Opportunity. <laughs> oh, one word. Opportunity. For everyone. Yes, new writing. Big fan. Spec savers. Two for one. Greg sausage rolls. The best. Oh my god. Have you tried the vegan ones? Yeah, and they're they good. good. Yeah, I was very sceptical, I'm gonna be yeah, honest. But yeah, no, they're yet. amazing. I got the last Greg sausage roll in Croydon a couple of weeks ago and there was a massive queue and the amount of death glares I got walking back. Were you scared? Out, I was scared. I shouldn't have <laughs> took the la- last one. Not worth like, it. It wasn't worth it. They're they're valuable. Like <laughs> they're so valuable for a great. I do need to try the vegan one though. I've heard I've heard good things. For good things, and um, so we always start at the very beginning. What got you involved in theatre? Um, there's a sort of like myth uh, in my family, a kind of old tale that apparently. Uh, my dad's an actor, so of course, um, and my mum's a company manager, so I did grow up in that environment. My mum's side of the family are all in the theatre. Uh, my dad's side of the family um, were um, a couple of generations back, like immigrant Jewish family, uh, so not in the theatre. Um, and I, um, apparently, so uh, myth has it, uh, when I was about five, my dad had an audition. Uh, he was meant to be looking after me. It came in last minute and he said to me, um, right, you can have to come with me. I think I was about three. Uh, and he took me with him and, which was really at the time, I think like 
pretty unheard of. Yeah. Didn't really have like, you know, all the great movement for parents. Yeah. Um, and especially for men. And so my dad took me along and plucked me in the auditorium and just said, sit there, be quiet. Um, and probably bribed me with chocolate or something. <laughs> and um, I just remember, I do remember being there, but my dad tells me that afterwards... He asked me, did you enjoy it, watching? And I said, I did. And he said, do you want to do that, what I was doing? Um, he was up on the stage and something. I said, no, I want to be that man at the front who was making the pictures. Oh my and my dad said, oh, that was the director. And I said, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, at the age of three? Yeah, that's and apparently... Amazing. I mean, I'm really fortunate, I think, because my dad just went, great. And I sort of just kept on saying it. And yeah. nobody really... By the time I got to school, a few more people, careers people and stuff like no 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 but my family was so supportive and I know what a massive gift that is because I never yeah. got that kind of no you should get a proper job they were like sure yeah, yeah be a director yeah. great um so yeah I just kept saying it and then suddenly I was and then, okay. <laughs> yeah. what was your journey from when you started to go into um professionally did you did you train or did it just happen I I did I went to university in Hull and um, I loved it had an amazing three years but I do think for me uh, I think if I'd been sort of a decade older or so I don't think I would have gone to university I I think I had seen like the old-fashioned route of starting in stage management and moving over um I'm very dyslexic so school wasn't hugely um fun for me secondary school especially um uh, and then I discovered they finally tested me just before my A-levels um, and realised that I was extremely dyslexic. And I sort of went, right, um, I'm going to go for this then. Yeah. And worked very hard and actually um, did all right in my A-levels, did quite well uh, against everyone's expectation. Yeah. And went off to uni in Hull, um, which is a pretty academic degree, actually, and just had the time of my life. So I'm so glad I went um, and did a drama degree there um and just got to direct loads it was amazing I was one of about three directors uh, people who wanted to direct in my year so I just got to try and play and make work badly and sometimes well and yeah it was amazing that's um so in terms because I'm heavily heavily dyscalcic which is with numbers how how do you work out the whole directing side Do, do you put anything in place to kind of support yourself and support other actors with um dyslexia and dys- dyscalcia because I, I find it's really common within creatives yeah I, I feel like yeah absolutely I mean I, I would say I, I meet more dyslexic people yeah, than not yeah um I have I think there's so much more in place now which is amazing I mean even the advent of being able to print on coloured paper and the yeah. difference that has made for a lot of people that I see in the industry now you know people being able to just find the colour that works yeah. for them I didn't have any of that um I'm quite fortunate. I haven't. I have always been a relatively good reader. Yeah. I'm a terrible writer. Um, my handwriting's illegible, and I have the spelling age of a seven-year-old apparently. Um, so, like officially, so I'm. I I've always struggled uh, in that regard. But you know, the advent of computers hugely yeah. helped. I used a proofreader a lot through university. Yeah, um, I sort of see it as a huge. Um, benefit now it's yeah. made me think round things and in different ways and find different ways of learning and yeah. um I, I I really don't mind it now I do struggle still um with black and white yeah. so traditional scripts yeah give me a head basically if, we start, if I'm tired I think slides about yeah, yeah, yeah. but um 
yeah other than that I, I find and I do I really enjoy working with dyslexic actors because there's a sort of way I find our brains work in a in a shorthand yeah, actually it's absolutely. quite interesting yeah I feel like it just needs to be chatted more about cause yeah it, it's not really but everyone I know either has dyspraxia dyslexia dyscalcia it's like we're like a whole big family in the, in the arts who, who have, uh, a, have it all really yeah and I just think it's, it's about I think when I started out like I remember advice saying don't tell anybody and don't speak about it really? and you know and, and advice given to my contemporaries who wanted to be actors don't tell anybody just make sure and now I think we're getting so much better at those yeah, things yeah, like absolutely. just of course say and of course say listen I'm dyslexic can I have the script in advance it's just easy for me there's no point you give it to me in the room you know it's yeah. a waste of all our time and I think we're just getting so much better at just saying what does it matter yeah, let's just absolutely. give everyone what they need to do their job and... yeah absolutely fantastic love it so can you chat to us about your own mental health journey was mental health ever discussed when you were growing up? Um, and have you noticed a kind of change with mental health throughout your, your journey in the arts? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm in my 40s now, my early 40s. I started directing in my early 20s. And I think the shift has been just uh, unbelievable in so many areas. Yeah. In much in the similar way as we are just talking about the dyslexia, it was absolutely, you just did not speak about it mm. when I started out. There was, um, my course was amazing at Hull, I loved it, but there was no uh, mental health provision. And I don't feel like, or, or I'm sure there was, but not publicly. Yeah. It was seen as like a crisis point intervention service. And um, I don't think that's a failing of that course. I just don't think culturally, you know, we were we were at that place. Yeah. Um, definitely going into the theatre, particularly as a woman, don't mention it, don't show any weakness. Um, it was already a case of, you know, you are, um, expect, you know, you, you have to fight harder to be taken seriously, certainly as a director, so no weakness at all. Um, and uh, sort of going back to, to what we were saying, you know, when I started in Harrogate, I was 25, it was amazing, it was this huge opportunity but after um, a period of about six months, fantastic then chief exec, Sheena Wrigley, amazing woman, um, she uh, moved jobs and um, I was left to take over chief exec and artistic director, oh being only 25 myself. Um, and that, instead of taking a couple of months, took them nearly a year to recruit someone, so I ended up doing that for a year. And I felt absolutely like I could never, ever say... Um, this is a bit much to be mm. handling all this, both senior positions, and oh, yeah. because I thought, as a woman and as a young woman, you know, I just couldn't show any mm. any weakness at all. So that was a very difficult time, and I definitely burnt myself out mm. by thirty. Um, mm, yeah. And I think by thirty, I thought, right, there has to be a different way of doing this. Otherwise, by thirty-five, I'll be out. And so. It, personally I had a big shift around that time I think um, but I think the industry did too and it's so amazing now to see you know that yeah. it's you know we're just much more responsible with people's health yeah, in general going in the right way yeah and um, just on the topic of what you said there um, I know you put a tweet out about this um, but can you chat to us about strong female leads <laughs> which I love it it's your twitter profile picture as well, isn't it? <laughs> it is Again, it was a bit of a sort of um, 
I had my son um, when I, uh, late when I was 38, so uh, he's, uh, he's just turned four. And somehow he, he's made me, like, super brave, I think. Uh, something about becoming a mum and daring to do that. And I realised that I put that off for a really, really long time because it's another thing I thought I wasn't meant to do. Mm. And I was advised that a lot. If you want to be taken seriously, do not have a child. A lot in my uh, early 30s and people won't take you seriously. That'll be that. Um, And uh, we're a bit off topic, aren't we? But something about finally daring to do that and Mm. realising, oh oh, okay, yeah, it is possible to be a woman and have a child and still do my job. And I realised, reflecting, I think, back, that I'd been told loads of um, falsehoods, or certainly falsehoods for me about, you know, I'm from South London, I have a strong South London accent, uh, lots of things about what that meant, and maybe that if I just spoke a bit better, or had I considered... um, you know, when I first went to Harrogate, somebody on the board there said, had I considered buying a suit, they felt nervous that people wouldn't be able to take me seriously if I wasn't in a, a trouser suit. So many examples of that. And all along the way, I thought they were things that were failings in me, you know, that if I just speak a bit better, if I cover up my South Londonness, if I, if I'm not as loud, if I dress a bit more, less feminine or uh then that'll make that's what's missing that's the thing that's the and I think I just realized all along that actually all the advice was kind of a masked way of just saying you're just a bit female Mm. and um the I seen a huge shift again in that now but I just felt I'd seen a few tweets from young female directors going oh I don't know if I'm built the right way and everyone keeps telling me I need to man up I mean that in itself and I need to be harder or I'm and it was just I was like no don't spend 15 years worrying about those things I mean I'm not sure my tweet is going to stop someone worrying about those things but I just felt really passionately that you know being a woman and and negotiating in, in a different way in the rehearsal room is a massive, massive asset. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be... You don't have to try and shoehorn yourself into a male narrative. Um, yeah, I spent a long time trying to do that, I think. And do you, do you notice a, a difference now in the way that... In, in terms of respect for female directors? Yes, absolutely. I think it's new. Yeah. I think it's really new, and I think it's still shifting, and it's still changing. And I'm aware that, obviously, like... I'm still talking from a place of privilege as a, as a white woman and I think that there's still huge challenges around diversity for women mm. you know and um I can't you know and 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 sexuality and all sorts of other you know intersectionality there about that that, that we're not necessarily all given the same opportunity of yeah. course not but I do think there is a shift towards looking at the fact that you know women have been underrepresented especially mm-hmm. as creatives oh, for yeah. sure absolutely for absolutely. sure um i still get asked questions you know like i've been directing for 20 plus years i've directed hundreds and hundreds of shows and not that long ago somebody said and do you feel like you're confident r- running that size of rehearsal room and i thought wow that's so strange mm. like 20 years on like having run a theatre and uh, yeah and I thought yeah it's just that left slight suspicion that a woman somehow is going to struggle with authority or 
or, or people management, despite the fact that I've done yeah much Women of it. Women make magic. That is a fact. True. That is a fact. <laughs> um, so in terms of um, so something that we noticed kind of from last series um, was that the there was a huge kind of lack of support for creatives in our industry when it comes to mental health support. Um, is this something that you've noticed and how do you think we can better support our creatives, especially emerging um, directors in the arts? Yeah, I, I think that although I have been like, I mean, you know, like the work you're doing is so amazing, making it visible, visible, visible. visual. I quite yeah. like it. Yeah, making it <laughs> brilliant. So dyslexic. There I you love go. It. I love it. I make up words all the time. Sometimes I think I prefer that word. I'm going to keep great. it. Keep it. Absolutely. <laughs> visual. Use it in the rehearsal room. <laughs> I do. My actors are so used to. I think she means, but that's fine. Yeah. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah, I think making it visible and making people able to talk about it. And there's still, I think, I think if you ask people of my generation in their 40s, there's still a massive fear. And I feel that less than younger people. And I, and I think the kind of provision that's been put in place in drama schools so that it's from training up is so important, so important. to embed that culture from the get-go. I think actually it's harder, perhaps in like middle career creatives and, and, and artists. I think it's... Because I think we were taught that you shouldn't speak, yeah. that you keep quiet, that you, you know, if you mention any form of weakness, you'll be replaced with, with somebody else. Mm. And um, I think that shift, I, I feel that amongst my peers, that in many ways we're struggling um, with with that amazing shift um, of, of of being able to talk more because we just didn't have it yeah. as we started out. We were yeah. just told... And like the things you're told at really influential times, you know, we were just told endlessly that we needed to get strong and resilient if we were going to have a, a career in the arts. Um, Sorry, isn't it? Yeah. I, I only think recently as well that that started to change because even when I, when I was at drama school, um, I was told, you know, when you get out there, you have to, you have to be a product, you have to mm. take it as it is. And I think just from what I've seen over the last kind of, three years it's, it's only really happened then absolutely like, it's so new isn't it's it it's so I think. so new and I think you're exactly right about in terms of drama school because you are so influent in, influent in, it's catching influence influence influenced influenced yeah yeah that'll do yeah we know what we mean yeah we know and so I don't know if it's in terms of and, and that's for everyone across the board in the industry I think um in terms of you know if you are if you're training for directing or, sure. or whatever like getting it embedded across the board absolutely um, yeah I just don't know what in terms of how how we can support our creatives further if it's um talk sessions for directors and I've also d- tried to sort of another thing as well is I feel like directors are really pitted against each other so if you think about a journey as an actor you spend your life in rooms with other actors and sharing the kind of process of acting once you stop being an assistant you never see another director again sure you may go and see their work you may chat to them but it's it's quite a solitary um pursuit it doesn't mean that I don't have wonderful relationships with actors of course I do and and with other directors um but you don't get that sort of bonding Mm. of we were taught to be slightly suspicious be in competition with each other don't you know don't ever let on don't let anybody know what a a kind of secretive Mm. competition um 
and I think just being able to open that up and try really hard to be generous and I try as much as I can to speak to younger directors and have them in the room and especially women because I feel passionate about that and um but I think it took me a while because we again we were taught so much to sort of keep quiet keep it to ourselves that we were all out against each other and um yeah yeah it's a strange very unhealthy I think you can be ambitious and you can be um ambitious for yourself but it doesn't mean you have to it doesn't have to be a cutthroat yeah um, yeah it doesn't have to be a cutthroat career you know you can so when we all come together that's when wasn't that the point yeah absolutely <laughs> isn't absolutely. as as you know didn't you when you were younger I thought well yeah that's what I wanted to do I wanted to make work with people yeah. I wanted to collaborate and make stories yeah. and tell people stories and it's I think the culture of not sharing and being suspicious and secretive is so against that creative spirit that's changing throughout the arts i do yeah Yeah. i think it's really really changing and where social media of course can be a massively um you know if you're looking at mental health we we read a lot i think about the sort of negatives of of social media and i i agree Um, and i think we all have to challenge ourselves about how we use it and Mm. how we respond to it because we know it can be very damaging But I think it can also be a really wonderful platform like the work you're doing. And it can just mean that people can reach out in a, in a, a wider way to say, look, I feel the same. Do you feel yeah. the same? And if people are sort of uh, honest and open, it, it can make people feel less alone, Absolutely. I think. Absolutely. Well, even like the tweets that you put out, they get... Hundreds, like literally hundreds of people responding I couldn't and, and seeing how encouraging that is. That. It's amazing. I mean, I think after that tweet, I just wrote it really. It, the, the tweet she talked about was just sort of like a little thread about my experiences of being a female director. But the, the responses it got, I got hundreds of inbox yeah. messages oh. of people saying their experience and wanting to talk about it, predominantly women, um, but also a lot of like working class um artists just saying how they struggled in the arts still mm. um and and the financial struggle yeah, of, of that um and and it, it, i was sort of just uh it, it was humbling it was amazing it was wonderful to have those conversations with yeah. people um slightly depressing as well that so many people went oh yeah you know let's th- talk about it finally type thing yeah. but um but yeah, so I think it can be an incredible sort of platform for absolutely. connection as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think in such a lonely industry as well, I think that's why we kind of latch on to social media because, like you say, it's easy to connect. It's easily of course. Yeah, to, to not feel so alone. Absolutely. Um, but then, yeah, on the flip side of that is the extremes of that. Yes. So we briefly just spoke about um, you're a, a mum to the mm-hmm. lovely Isaac um, how did becoming a parent shape how you approach your career? Did you find that you had to massively adjust? Um, how was your kind of journey into that? Yeah, I um, it, it was so interesting. So I put it off for a long time. Not put it off, but it just sort of didn't come into my life. But I do think on reflection, a lot of that was because I felt that becoming, you know, from my early 20s, really, that becoming a mum would be when I stop would have to be when I would stop directing Mm. and I never felt ready to stop so I thought well it'll come it'll come it'll come and then I found myself in my late 30s desperate to be a mum 
and thinking, oh, how does this going to work? And um, when I did have Isaac, similarly, actually, a lot of messages from young women going, so amazing to see you with a child. And I honestly thought I was going to have to decide between motherhood and the creative mm. arts. And, and so I've tried, again, against my sort of inner monologue, which is like, don't say anything, be invisible as a mother, mm. to be as visible as I can as a mother. And it, it still takes me quite a deep breath, if I'm honest, to... Um, not feel a fear that people think, yeah, but you know, she's oh, she's gonna always be absent, or you mm. know, uh, not as 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 um, invested as she, as she might be. And it's the absolute opposite, actually. So I, when I was pregnant with Isaac, I thought I was in tech when he was eight, when I was eight and a half months pregnant. So yes. I was quite up to the. I know it was. <laughs> I loved it. It was fantastic. And um, when I had him, I thought, you know, I'll. I'll I'll take a year out and I'll see how I feel. And then I got it, it, just in sort of going, right, I'll, I'll sort of turn my eye away for a bit. I just got job after job after job and I was back mm-hmm. in auditions at, when he was three months. Gosh. When he was six months, I took him with me up to Liverpool and uh, directed um, an amazing play called Down the Top Road by Alan Bleasdale, which is a cast of 13 men. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a teething six-month-old, oh. so I was sort of getting two hours sleep. Oh, and working out, well, my mum came up for a bit and Isaac's dad, David, came for a bit and we just sort of made it work. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. It's all a bit of a haze that time. So I've just never been busier. And I've just carried on. And Isaac, I think, has really benefited from... um, He comes to rehearsals. Not all the time, of course. But he comes and he's been in most sits probes and a lot of techs. And early on, I took him to production meetings and everyone was great about it. I was terrified every single time I did it. I thought, oh, this will be... Everyone will be like, oh, don't use her. Um... And so it it was a yeah it was a massive learning curve but it's had a huge influence on how I view my work it it hasn't made it um, any less important I love being in the room still but it's given me a huge perspective I definitely definitely don't stress about it in the way that I used to I just don't yeah, <laughs> yeah. you've got little Isaac yeah something yeah. you know else as well yeah. I think it's I think it's so so important. I know that um, I've got friends who who struggle because they want to be a mum but they're a performer and it's like well wh- when will I get the work? And I do feel like there's a shift. But if you could give any advice to um, male or female who want to become parents, what what would you say? I think um, there's something to be said for there won't be a right time. Mm. and if it's something you really need to do don't let the the, the the industry take that away from you you should do it and and it'll work you'll work it out yeah you know it's a, it, it's a, a, a weekly <laughs> kind of oh yeah. what are we gonna do and um but it is it, it is not the end I don't think it, it doesn't have to be like you know an either or I think especially now especially yeah. now the industry is getting much more responsive to that they realize that if they don't they're going to lose huge swathes of people from the industry that they don't want to lose and um there's absolutely no reason why why you can't do both I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy it is not easy and in many ways maybe it's easier for creative Mm. than it is for for, 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 here we go again (laughs) for performers (laughs) because um I can 
I can call the shots a little bit. I can say, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, why don't we work these hours or why don't we do this or I would rather work an evening late in the week and not a Saturday. Yeah. And actors, I think, for the whole, have to be more responsive than that. They don't always get that... Um, say yeah yeah you know they don't get to call that but I think people are understanding that they have to adapt people being happy in a rehearsal room is always going to create the best work in my opinion and that includes when people go you know I had a lot of conversations people going well why should we all work our rehearsals around people's caring responsibilities and the truth Mm. is we all have caring responsibilities whether that's caring for ourselves caring for elderly parents caring for pets caring for you know it doesn't it's not I'm not saying let's shape the whole industry around parents but why don't we shape the whole industry around people leading as full of lives as they can and creating the work and that's I don't work any less than I used to I just work differently yeah that's amazing so today I am in the King Manual Therapy Clinic in Covent Garden with the wonderful Stephen King himself and he has been conducting some new research which he's going to tell us about and it's absolutely fascinating. Stephen, take it away. Okay, thanks Cathy. So I had a question which is, is singer's acid reflux really what we think it is? And I think the answer is no, because over a five-week trial period, 100% of the subjects have been cured of their symptoms of acid reflux. I mean, you can see the graph here they can't it's a good graph am i right i can see the graph and it's a great (laughs) graph so we put together a successful treatment protocol to alleviate the symptoms of singer's acid reflux and for now it's working in 100 percent of cases whoop whoop and where can people find out more about the research that you have conducted? So I'm in the process of presenting it and publishing it next year at the World Voice Teachers Expo and hopefully at the BVA. And this work is going to be written up into a paper and published by me. So look out on social media, that kind of thing. But I'll be posting screenshots and stuff all the time. So make sure you check it out 2020. It'll be properly published and it's very, very interesting. So thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me in the clinic again. Thanks, Cathy. If you'd like to book in with Stephen or one of the team at King Manual Therapy, go to kingmanualtherapy.com where you can find all the options. Do you think the industry can offer more support for parents in the industry? Um, mentioned at the start before uh, recording that there's a new bus that's going to be oh, a yeah. crash and it, that's it's going to be portable so that actors can drop their, their kids in or directors can drop their kids in if they're next to the theatre or whatever um, which is a great well I think it's a great movement um, do you think there should be more more decisions like that from higher powers um, to better support I think families? everyone is doing it I do feel mm. that and I also kind of feel like there's a lot of um, uh, negative kind of um, talk, not negative that's not fair but there's a lot of sort of pointing out where things are failing of, of like we could do more here and we could do that that's very important mm. but I also felt feel like it's important to say when I think people are doing really well as well and I felt like I've had loads of support from people that I've worked with with companies and producers who've been really open to and, and I think for me the massive shift and I think a lot of women uh, and men actually that's the other thing there's a huge you know it's parents in the performing arts isn't it there's you know, men have caring responsibilities too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's just being able to to say, is there any chance that I could know next week's rehearsal schedule in advance? Is yeah. there any chance? And I'm not feeling like that's going to make you, you know, people be really 
fed up with you in the room or that that's going to make you a real nuisance Mm -hmm. and just being able to kind of you know say what you need without fear of um people never wanting to work with you again which I think again for people my age was the fear like if I mention this I will never be employed again you know and it's this feeling of being as one a collective and not two separate absolutely of course Yeah. yeah yeah fantastic fantastic um, so creating safe spaces and environments is something that is being discussed more and more. As a director, is there anything in particular that you do to make sure your addition and rehearsal rooms are good and supportive environments to be in? I've just, do you know what, I've, I struggle with this a little bit because I've been thinking about it recently and I was like, I just feel like that's my job. Like, my job is to just make an environment. Like, that is the number one most important thing that I feel like I can do. Like, the amount of times people said, oh, that's the nicest audition I've ever had. And I think, why? Like, all I did was not be rude or rush you or hopefully make you feel comfortable and and have a chat. And, like, that's the least I can do, I feel like. that that You know, and, and that's my number one... Again, that's an interesting thing. It's part of those tweets you were talking about. Is that when I was younger, I was told like, oh, the, the the problem you have, Hannah, is you're too nice, as uh, as if nice, you know, being kind and was a weakness. Mm. And um, I can, you know, I can, I have no issue running a rehearsal room. I can be tough and I can be strict if it calls for it. But it's very rare that it really does because everyone's turned up for the same reason, which yeah. is to be creative, have an amazing time, telling a story. And I feel like my job is to keep that environment as positive and as healthy and mm. as conflict-free. The conflict should be in the drama, not in the room. Yeah. And I feel like that's my number one skill. Uh, if I'm really honest, that's my only skill. I can make a place where people can be the best they can be. It's not about me being the best I can be. It's yeah. about creating an environment where everyone feels safe to explore and... Um, I love doing that. It's my favourite part of my job. Yeah. And for many years, I thought that that was a flaw. It's only recently that I've realised, like, oh, well, if that's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a positive thing. Absolutely, because it's um, going to bring out your actors. And it does. As well. And I see it in practice. And I thought that's what I wanted to share with people in those tweets, really, that that can be a hugely um, creative and, 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 um, it's the right word. It, it is, it's a totally legitimate management style. Yeah. You know, to create positive spaces. Absolutely. Um, what, what do you think needs to change? Because obviously there are still addition rooms and I'm sure rehearsal spaces that are quite negative and a bit of a dictatorship and not the safest environment. How do you think we can change that in the industry and create more of what, what you do? I think it's about... Uh, I, th- I think it's a huge shift isn't it and I, and I can feel that and I think we're starting to value those traits in people and appreciate that you know um, when I started out there was a huge thing that you know to be a director you had to be um, a difficult person and, and that was just part of it and you know oh well we allowed directors to, to, to be bullish and bullies if I'm honest and, um, and that was something that you, you were supposed to do, you were supposed to cultivate this personality that was like a tyrant um and I definitely saw that starting out I assisted um lots of people and lots of amazing people but a couple of times I did see that that like oh okay the idea is that we are a sort of fear mm. a, 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 
fearful of this person as we can possibly be and the work is created from fear and and um I honestly believe that's changing so much and I think people are speaking up and they're speaking yeah. out and I think that old way of behaving is just no longer going to wash with people. Yeah. I think people will call it out and I think more and more and the more it happens, the more people feel safe to do it yeah. and the more people are in environments where they feel nurtured and the work still happens. Yeah, That's exactly. the thing, it's like... I've never not opened a show. It still gets done. Yeah, yeah. It's still there. It's not like, oh, sorry, we need another two weeks because we were busy being nice. Yeah. And, you know, we work hard and it's robust and there are difficult moments and there are disagreements, of course. Um, But I think the ways in which we do that now are are shifting so much. Um, And that old sort of bullyish um, kind of stereotype of what a director is I think people are bored of yeah absolutely and um, you said that you just mentioned that um when, when you started out and you got called out for being nice and mm-hmm. um, how did that affect you mentally because obviously that's a kindness is obviously just a trait of who you are yeah and I, I can't imagine someone kind of making that a flaw of, of who you are how, how did you kind of I don't think I dealt with it very well early on I think I spent y- wasted a decade trying to be something else thinking oh one you know I've just got to find a way to be more cutthroat and people say you know you're just not sort of you haven't got that kind of like push everyone else out the way you've got to get more ruthless you've got to get more and of course I was still making work during that time and and actors would say oh this has been the most creative experience I've ever had but I'd be like yes and I spent years never hearing any of the good things just hearing this sort of some of the stuff I said to you before you know maybe if you change the way you speak maybe if you dress differently maybe if you become more aggressive more assertive and then you know you would do those I would try and sort of cultivate these traits that I thought would make me more a director a real director uh and then I'd get accused of being bossy and difficult Mm. um opinionated women are always difficult um rarely do you hear that put on to a man you know you would yeah. very rarely do you hear a, a kind of assertive male director say god he's bossy I'd, I'd, you, yeah well of course he's a director you know just be expected mm-hmm. so and, and then i started to just see that really to see like oh i'm making good work i think and people are enjoying making it and maybe it's not me maybe I don't need to change, maybe I just need to carry on and feel enough. Um, takes a long time, that. It's yeah, taken a long time, yeah. and I think having my son and sort of doing something that felt so much more courageous than, you know, the, there's uh, there's no tech week that will ever be as difficult as a 76-hour labour. Yeah, it sort of just gosh. gave me a whole new perspective, yeah. and um, I thought, right, it's absolutely fine women are amazing yeah you know women are amazing and men are amazing too but women are really really incredible and what our bodies do and and the way that we can negotiate in our our emotional intelligence i'm a huge fan of women and um i want to shout about that more instead of pretending that it's somehow secondary yeah absolutely you're amazing i think it's people like you that do make the change in the industry even by that tweet by sharing your experiences that's going to inspire the younger generation I I think it's yeah 
Like, you're great. You're very <laughs> great. Um, so the topics of representation and equal opportunity are particularly at the forefront of the conversation at the moment. Um, you recently responded to a thread about money being a huge barrier for creatives in the industry. To quote your tweet, you said, uh, we need to talk about class and the arts more, entry level and beyond. I am a director with 20 years experience and 100 shows under my belt. I direct an average to seven to eight shows a year and I regularly think I won't be able to c- continue much longer because I can't afford to. Um, can you just chat about this for us? Yeah, I, I think that, again, when I'm talking a lot about when I was starting out, but I actually think that that particular area has got worse and not better. And I think I'm a huge fan of the fringe and of of, of, of emerging work and, and, and finding platforms for emerging artists. It's hugely important. And when I was starting out, that didn't exist as much, actually. There was less of that. So it was very difficult to, particularly as a director, because why does anybody need a 20-year-old director? You need a 20-year-old actress because there are 20 year old parts Mm. but you don't need so it's very difficult to get started as a director um and and those platforms were amazing uh for that um but i think there's there's a there's a huge difficulty now in that some of the most exciting work um is happening um on the fringe and i love going to watch it i love making Mm. it but the truth is often unless you're independently wealthy if you don't have that financial support, how do you do that? Yeah. And I managed when I was starting out because I worked front of house. I, um, you know, well, mostly I worked front of house. And I worked in the day and then at night I would go and do front of house. And I did that when I was first assisting and I assisted for free or yeah. for very little. But as I now I work, I'm very, very fortunate in that I pretty much solidly for the last six or seven years have been in rehearsals. And and yet, you know, the average wage for a theatre director in this country is is probably significantly less than than if I worked in a shop. Mm. And I have a child and, you know, a, a home. And I think it's... I hear a lot about the, the barriers of, of gender uh, and and you know about diversity and that's absolutely correct but there is also a huge issue with elitism in the arts um and about representation of of working class artists there's there's no doubt and i definitely don't think we're doing enough yeah how how do you think that we can combat that do you know what it's so tricky isn't it it's so tricky and i think it's about funding i think it's about the best people or the right people getting those opportunities i think you are never supposed to say you can't afford to do something. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I read a really heartbreaking response to that tweet that put out about this... Um, a, 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 I think she was a director, not a particularly young director, you know, like in her... Not old, but, you know, she wasn't, like, 19. She yeah. was in her th- early 30s, I think. She was just saying she has to take six months of working in a bar before she can even think she gets offered work she turns it down all the time to save up over those six months to try and say yes and I think that that just means that we're at real danger of losing amazing voices what do we do about that is there a way of arts funding helping towards supporting people to be able to say yes to those lower paid jobs that are really good platforms otherwise we risk just some really exciting voices never making it to the stage and I think the lens we're looking through becoming really narrow because certain voices just get knocked out of yeah. out of 
the industry early. And certainly so many of my friends who have become mothers who don't necessarily come from a, a, a moneyed background are really having to make the decision to stop because it just is very, very difficult yeah. to make to keep, going. to keep going. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. I think even, like, the great platforms, like the Edinburgh Fringe, for example, I, I know incredible work that goes on there, but then on the flip side here and just how, how difficult much it costs a time... To and, go. Yeah, and how much money and then getting yourself into, like... Huge amounts huge of debt. Huge amounts of debt and you know, not coming out of it with the best headspace. And I think there there has to be a way to... And if we're talking about mental health, I think we have to really talk about the relationship between financial security and mental yeah. health. I'd say that the biggest stress in my life, you know, as a, a, a sort of working-class director, I think that's a difficult thing to talk about, but I certainly don't come from money. And I think the perception of, you know, of me as a South London woman has always been that I come from working-class background. Um I think I have a mixed background, but I, I think that there's a, you know, I think that that conversation has to happen so much, and I feel like you can't the the that that pressure, the thing that has been the biggest barrier to me, and that continues to be, is the financial, mm. um, insecurities of of being a director, and if I'm really honest, the fees have gone down, not up, in, since mm. I started, definitely. They've definitely gone down. Certainly, I'm getting paid less in my 40s on bigger jobs than I was getting paid for smaller jobs when I first started out in my 20s. And um, of course, that's austerity and it's a bigger issue with, I don't think it's um, malice or greed, or I just think it's a, but I do think when we're looking at funding the arts, we have to be honest mm-hmm. about not everybody has the same ability yeah. to work for the same fees yeah, and absolutely. and what do we do about that and I feel like it's a topic that we still are ashamed to talk about mm, yeah. it's very British isn't it don't talk about money yeah, don't mention yeah, money absolutely. And, and I think especially for um for for mums in the arts who you need to be able to pay for childcare sometimes and sure working class and you're not getting paid enough for the job how it, it creates this other stress, doesn't it? I think Absolutely. it's so important. I look at it a lot and I think uh, early on when I first had Isaac, I thought, right, I need to look at how much this job is going to cost me. Not how much am I going to make, but how much am I going to have to invest in the job? And there are only so many... And, and often I found myself, if I'm really honest, saying no to jobs I would love to do because I simply cannot afford to do them. And I see perhaps the same people being able to say yes and I don't yeah. feel aggrieved at their ability to do it I feel aggrieved at my ability not to yeah. um and and how we sort of address that and put in place mm-hmm. perhaps ways and uh, to, to support because that's a real thing you know like if we're really going to support parents in the performing arts uh, and and working class artists in general yeah. the ability to 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 say yes to lower fee jobs is, is something we need to look at. Absolutely. Uh, and even getting into training establishments. Of course. You know, having to pay £60 for an addition fee to top schools around... To even for that, you know, to even yeah. to audition. You know, it's just train fares on top of that and things that... And I feel like there's been so much stigma and shame mm. around talking about that. And, um, and 
I think that's probably the area that's changing the least. I think yeah. mental health is fantastic what's happening. Of course, loads yeah. of work to do. Diversity, of course, loads of work to do. But it's happening. People are talking about it. And and I think, you know, that the, the, the kind of gender split and how that is happening. People are talking about it. But I think class and finance, people are still sort of like, let's just look the other way and whistle. We yeah. don't really want to... I don't really want to look that in the eye. And um, it's... Yeah, I think we'll we'll lose hugely exciting voices if we're not careful. Yeah, it's, yeah, so so interesting. It's, it's even the thing of how how do we even combat that? Because I, I think with um I won't put this in um, but things with like mental health, anyone can can openly come and chat. But in terms of you know financial financial support, you know, we can't just plant a tree and. And grow money it's like where yeah. does that support kind of come from I think you're so you're so right it's, it's like especially working class like if you you're not going to make any money out of something you know those young voices aren't going to yeah. do it not gonna and do I it. think the so, mid-career voices as well people just have to get out yeah. and they don't want to get out but they're like you know it's just not tenable anymore I would like to be able to take my child on a holiday every now and yeah. again or or even be able to say yes to them joining a after-school club and not always, you know, it's one thing making sacrifices for yourself because you're doing something you love, but making those for your family yeah. becomes harder. Why should Isaac not be able to do those things? Because I've decided to be a theatre director yeah. and that becomes an, another emotional struggle, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, I haven't thought about that all in, in depth before. It's a huge issue, isn't it? It's I think really... because people don't want to talk about yeah. it. It's embarrassing, it feels humiliating. You feel like, you, you know, it's like it's kind of going, anyone lend me a tenner. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. people feel embarrassed. So, or somehow... again, mental health, so many people are in that Of course, boat. and it's it's how it's ingrained in our still, like, you know, we're, the, the class is still a huge thing and, and mm. socioeconomic status is a huge thing and, and we are taught to be ashamed of... of you know, being lower down the financial yeah. pecking order and so people don't want to say it and I think the theatre, not so much now, but traditionally theatre was, you know, for upper middle class people, made yeah. by upper class middle people and there's still a, there's still a, a huge um, remnants of that, Absolutely. I think. And, um, yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's it's about... I, I feel even, you know, we're, we're having this conversation, openly having this conversation and still it feels like... I can't believe I'm saying all these things out loud yeah. because they're not things that we're, we're told to like. Shh, Shut, yeah. Absolutely. Don't say that. It's embarrassing. It's too personal. It's too. Yeah. But it's yeah. but it's hugely a huge huge yeah. issue I think and um, I think yeah it depends it depends how much we're prepared to try and find ways mm. to encourage all voices. Yeah, I I think it comes down to that thing as well. You know. You need those voices to to write the script, to direct mm. it, to act in it, to choreograph it, because that's going to create a whole like different kind of pose. If it if it's just going to be the elite all the time, it's going to be the same stories and the state the same work. So mm-hmm. surely the arts wants to be more inclusive. It's... Absolutely. Just going back to the topic of being a mum, <laughs> um, you have been in workshops for a new musical by Emily Beecher yep. um, called The Good Enough Mums Club. Um, can you chat to us about this and what 
Uh, what's different about this process to another musical? Oh, gosh. It's so amazing. I could honestly bang on about it forever and ever. So Emily's an incredible woman. She uh, is a mum. And after the birth of her daughter, she suffered very severe uh, postnatal depression. And as part of her sort of becoming... I mean, she is just the most incredible advocate for... Um, uh, for women and mothers and, and being open about those struggles and she said that what sort of happened for her is that as she started to be honest and open about um, uh, her diagnosis more and more mums came to her and opened up and she sort mm-hmm. of became this vessel for people's confessions and secrets and fears and struggles and she's basically written it all of those um, uh, experiences and her journey as well, a hugely part of it, mm. into um, this uh, gorgeous show called The Good Enough Mums Club. And it is written by women, produced... Well, written by a mum, produced by a mum. I'm now directing okay. it as a mum. Um, all the actresses will be mums. Um, and and really... Uh, and we are currently in, in the... So we're in a workshop stage, although the script's in fantastic place. It, it, it's a really great piece of work. But um, we are just about to workshop it, um, and we're currently going up and down the country into different communities and doing workshops with mums. Um, Emily's so keen to make sure that all mums across all cultures, across all areas of society, again, socioeconomic, mm. uh, their voices are represented. So, we did an amazing workshop last night with a group of mums, um, uh, which was just phenomenal how open the women are and how much they're contributing we're off uh, next week to uh, a mosque in mm. Birmingham to speak to the women there I'm just being so generously invited into different communities um, and even though we're just at the sort of that stage at the moment doing a reading of it in November it's one of my favorite things I've ever done just really? again you know just the, the absolute privilege of having people share their experiences with you and be so generous and want to contribute to something that they hope will be a sort of olive branch to, to perhaps women who are feeling they're alone, yeah, yeah. to mums feeling like they're alone. And um, it, it just is combining all my great loves, really, which is theatre, of course, being a mum, which has been just the most wonderful experience and the most difficult um, <laughs> of my life, and, and that kind of... Um, going out into communities and having that huge privilege of of talking to people and hearing about their lives and um yeah it's it's it, it's a really exciting one I have I to say come to London well we're doing a reading in November uh Greenwich Theatre have got on board to help us out so Fantastic. we're doing a reading in Greenwich and one in Birmingham and the idea of that is to kind of you know get people in to see it and get on board with it and yeah I, I have a really good feeling about it I think it's it's a really um you know, it plays into all those ideas, you know, motherhood and isolation and mental health, and, mm. and it's funny, you know. Yeah. These things, I think we're one of our great things about um, being British, but also about um, about being women, you know, is that we're, we're good at having a laugh at our, yeah. our tragedy. So it's funny, and um, I, think, uh, I think it's really of its moment, and uh, I'm excited about it, yeah. Amazing. It sounds fantastic. It absolutely sounds fantastic. So, what can we do to make our industry a healthier and happier place? That's a huge question, sorry. (laughs) Do you know what, though? I think it's kind of simple, isn't it? I think that I still am a bit of a sort of um, 
I remember saying to somebody in, in when I was about 12 or 13, someone older, that I believed that people mostly were good. And they said, oh, you'll learn, you'll learn. And I remember being really saddened by that, and I thought, no, you're wrong. And I'm 42 now, and I think mostly people are good. I still believe that, and I think people want to be kind. Yeah. And I think that in the industry, you can see it when, with what you're doing. And when you put tweets up, people are so relieved to be able to put their mask down and yeah. say, yeah, I feel terrible sometimes, or I feel great, or I feel this, or I am this person, and not have to live a pretense. Yeah. I honestly think most people want to be able to be generous and warm and share we just have to have as many platforms as we can to allow that to happen and to encourage it and absolutely value vulnerability and openness and emotional intelligence as a strength not a weakness and the more we do that the better we'll all be I think absolutely amazing amazing you're amazing and do you have any advice um, for any aspiring directors out there that might be listening to this? I am... Um, uh, well, yeah, I think just do it. And it's kind of really stolen, I think, and I'm going to really badly paraphrase now, but I remember when I first started directing, I was, like, ridiculously young, and I was thinking, what am I doing? And I don't know, and everyone else knows, and I don't know. And I read um, something that David Mamet had written, which was, like, whilst you're young you know, speak loudly and keep going until you learn to say it better. Don't wait until you think you're ready to speak. And he said it much more eloquently than me. Um, Hence his David (laughs) Wyatt, no, I'm not. Uh, But, and it was a wonderful piece of advice for me at that time. I thought, oh, I see, I just need to get going because actually... I'm not going to get, you know, you wouldn't get better at playing tennis by reading books on tennis. You've just got to play. Yeah. And the more you play tennis, the better you'll get. And it's all right to lose. And it's all right to not get it right all the time. And just, you know, get in the room and be pushy and ask to assist and do all of those things and, and, and just get out there and do it it doesn't matter where you're doing it when you get going it doesn't matter get your friends into a room and rehearse some scenes and just get going yeah and also you know whoever you already are do it within your own voice yeah. don't try and fit yourself into somebody else's mold because you're never how's that going to work you're yeah. never going to make work that speaks from your heart if you're pretending to be someone else absolutely so just do your do do you do you just do absolutely you. do you i've got one more question for you it's, um, it's what we ask everyone at the end of the podcast <laughs> could you walk into a room today and say i'm having a bad mental health day i could say it in my own words yeah 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 i think i and i in a yeah i have done it i have done it i think um uh, in, in it's a slightly bigger thing, but last year my son got very very unwell and he was unwell for a year and spent a lot of last year in hospital okay. and it was a very frightening time and I was also directing a play at the Many A Chocolate Factory which felt like a huge um, career moment for me and sleeping on the floor of a hospital ward with my three year old at the same time not really knowing what was happening and that was the worst and the best time of my life it was the worst time because it was terrifying and we didn't know what was going to happen with Isaac and it was amazing to reach out to people on a human level and be received on a human level and that cast of that play will be my friends for life they were 
not just the best actors that I've I've worked with in many ways, um, but the the best humans in me- and I could walk in that room and say I'm terrified today, and they would go. I'm sure Mm. and then we would go about the day and I was still in charge of that room and I think we made something wonderful Um, but uh, it taught me that it was okay it took me all of that time to get to that place and that awful experience to go it's fine to be a human being in this industry we don't have to be machines Um, and in many ways it was freeing as well as you know yeah, absolutely. He's very well now. So that's yeah, good. I was going to say, oh, bless him. Bless <laughs> yeah, so. him. I do a lot of um, children's kind of tours around hospices um, around London. Amazing. It's, great. it's called uh, Christmas for Kids. Yes, they do it all year fantastic. Round. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Gets me all the little bubbles. I love it. So, we always finish with a wee game. Great. This is called Finish the Sentence. So the first thing... I think Jordan actually got a record on this as well. Well, as you can see, I was pretty terrible at the first you were game. So, mm, you are fantastic. I knew Jordan would be there. I love Jordan, <laughs> by the way. I love Jordan. Did you Jordan. listen to his podcast? I did. He spoke about... Yeah, he's a big it's fan. It's a mutual appreciation, oh, for he's sure. Great. He's a wonderful person. I'm so pleased that his wife's here as well. I know. Yeah, we're all very happy. Oh, yeah, we were rooting for her. The, the little post he put up. I know. It like, melted my heart. It's amazing. Anyway, so... This morning I woke up and thought... Oh, good. I'm going in to do a podcast. (laughs) I've never done one before, so I was like, that's exciting. Welcome to the first ever podcast. (laughs) Uh, The best thing about London is... That... um, Oh, I'm a a hugely proud Londoner, and I think that actually it's one of the friendliest places on earth. Yes, I think people misrepresent London. I think it's very friendly. Absolutely, absolutely. We should fund new writing because... Without it, theatre will die. My favourite breakfast meal is... Oh, I do love a sausage sandwich. Oh, yeah. With a runny egg. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know egg. I should probably say granola or something, no. but sausage Have sandwich Have you ever been to Scotland egg. and had a square sausage? Of course. Oh, my God. Literally. You get them in Aldi in London. Don't tell me that. Aldi. Disaster. Disaster, <laughs> literally. All my money goes in square sausage from Aldi. <laughs> Equal opportunity is important because... We need diversity of voices. That's what the theatre's about. We can't just tell one story. Amazing. You're smashing the finish of the sentence. Yeah, Jordan Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about being a parent is... Uh, it has given me a perspective on everything that I'm hugely grateful for. Amazing. Mental health to me is... Finding ways to... Keep balance. Yeah, right. We should support new parents in the industry because... Um, most of us have put a lot of time into the industry and it would be a shame to lose us all, I think. Amazing. All these answers are incredible. Absolutely amazing. Last one. My favourite pizza topping is... Oh, no, this is really controversial, but I do actually like a ham and pineapple. I like ham and pineapple! Brilliant. Absolutely. Brilliant. With the um, garlic dip. Oh yeah, sure. Amazing. Smashed it. Thank you so so much for Thank coming and chatting on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. If you're interested in our counselling services, please email Mary at industryminds.co.uk. For all other inquiries, please email info at industryminds.co.uk. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media at industrymindsuk. You can find out about all our future guests and our future events on there. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Bye!
Oh, I have to do a boy too. Okay. 